You're listening to a Rock Candy podcast. You are now entering Magnified Studios. Welcome. Coming to you from Magnified Studios, Magnified Pod presents It's Hard to Find a Podcast. Covering your favorite indie bands from the 90s Christian alternative scene. Put your tape decks on record. I'm Andrew. I'm John. This is our podcast. And some of those these Joe Christmas songs sound like they recorded them by just putting a tape deck on record. <laughs> it's um, true. It's true. Got that. Got those indie lo-fi vibes mm. coming up mm. here in a bit. Yes. But Just John, before- bask in those in those fuzzy waves. <laughs> yes, but before that, John, we we're having a having a conversation. We got another mm. got another Andrew. Over. It's true, another Andrew and another Nacho. Uh, we'll <laughs> Ooh, find out about true. that as the conversation <laughs> goes on. Yeah. Uh, yes, uh, another uh, good buddy of mine, another good Andrew buddy of mine, Andrew Gill, um, producer of the podcast Sound Opinions. Um, co-creator of a podcast about the Christian music scene uh, that we'll get into in our conversation with him that I think uh, MagPod folks will be really into. But yep. yeah, Andrew's a great dude. He has expressed his love about uh, Joe Christmas to me. And so we were like, hey, we got to get to Joe Christmas. Got to bring yeah. Andrew on for that. Yeah. And everybody has some of those records that mm-hmm. they're sort of a, a time machine, a time capsule. They just immediately throw you back into yeah. a feeling and an, an emotion a moment and uh you get to experience that with uh with andrew gill live yes <laughs> he's experiencing experiencing <laughs> these these moments where he's just like i'm immediately back in high yes, school and yes so all that that entails <laughs> yeah exactly um yeah so we're we're this is episode one of of our Joe Christmas coverage and episode mm. one of two of uh, having a guest on yes. to talk about uh, Joe Christmas. And, you know, next week, having shadow producer Jason on to talk mm. Joe Christmas. So if you can't get enough Joe to- Christmas... You're in luck. Hang on for those uh, guided conversations we'll have with folks <laughs> for whom the band means uh, more to us. I mean, more than it does to us. Not because we don't like it, just because it's, you know, we don't have the same history that they do. So we felt some yes. folks uh, who are near and dear to us who appreciate these albums a lot would be good to sort of guide yeah. us. We needed those those uh, Joe Christmas Sherpas <laughs> That's right. uh, leading, us, leading us up the mountain to the, the... Christmas tree. Yeah. <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> that fuzzy ass shitty made Christmas tree. <laughs> so, uh, well, what better introduction yeah. than that? Uh, yeah. Let's get to our, our conversation with Andrew Gill. All right. Well, Andrew, today on the pod, we have another Andrew, another mm. good buddy, Andrew of mine joining us. Uh, Andrew Gill is the senior producer of the beloved music podcast, Sound Opinions. He's the former host of the WBZ beer podcast, Strange Brews, and he's the co-creator of an upcoming PRX narrative podcast examining how the Christian music industry has impacted American culture from the 1960s to today, which we will have to dive into in a bit. But Andrew, welcome to Magnified Pod. 
What's up? Too many Andrews. <laughs> too many Andrews. <laughs> Hashtag too many Andrews. One of the few times that that's been that's been the case. So. Yeah. yeah, I'm gonna bust out some like Feelin and Gill, which is like not. I'm not really like a big like last name kind of person, so it'll feel weird. But you know, it's, yeah. yeah, you gotta do what you gotta do. That's true. Yeah. Um, AG, neither of you are Andes AG, either. You know. Yeah. yeah. I. I I dabbled with Drew in high school, mm, but yeah, it, cool. it was yeah, didn't stick really. So no, I had I had one teacher in high school take it upon himself to call me Andy, and mm. like I didn't ask him without to. permission. Yeah, no, there was no permission. excuse. You there's no consent. Yeah. Right. You can't, yeah, just can't. You can't Andy somebody without asking. <laughs> no. Yeah, rude. As Very a kid, rude. I I so wanted to be treated like a grown-up that i was like no way am i going by andy <laughs> yeah, yeah that is a child's name yeah <laughs> i'm an adult right. um well we are very happy to have you on the pod i feel like it's been long in the making uh you've been like a natural fit for us to talk to you for a bunch of reasons for a long time but in particular the season we're talking that indie rock and yeah. you and i have talked a lot of indie rock over the years and we're just like waiting for the right moment and uh <laughs> joe christmas is uh is the entryway point for you to the pod and i'm 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 very excited about this discussion question mark uh <laughs> i'm really eager to get into them i did not know anything about them somehow they've just like not been on my radar really until i mean when we started the pod people started asking when we're going to cover them and i'm like oh i guess i've maybe heard that name but it was definitely an experience going through these couple records we're talking about this week and in the next episode and curious to have somebody who knows the band better than us sort of shepherd us along that journey. Oh my God. Joe Christmas was like my favorite, like even more than bands that have stuck around, you know, like Starflyer or something. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Joe Christmas was like the top tooth and nail band for me in high school. Right. I was just like, it was one of the, you know, people talk about like, choosing a random hobby and making it their whole personality or something uh -huh. you know like <laughs> that was me and joe christmas for right, a time wow. in high school um it was like like the perfect mix because i had an older brother who was like the indie rock king you know he was mm -hmm. like three years older than me i start high school he's a senior i'm a freshman and i had been introduced to the indie rock by my my brother you know i knew pavement and you know super chunk and stuff like mm -hmm. that but I cared about Christianity more than my brother did, you know, our uh -huh. dad's a pastor and stuff. So I was like kind of active and, you know, there's a lot of youth group kids I'd hang around with and young life people and stuff. And I discovered Joe Christmas. I was, you know, getting into the tooth and nail stuff and I heard one of their songs on a tooth and nail sampler. And I was like, oh, this is like, this is like indie rock, but it's like Christians. Uh -huh. <laughs> so not only is it, um, it's, it's more obscure too than like lots yeah. of the other bands that my brother listened. I would, I would tell my brother like less people know this band than they know pavement, you know, like this uh -huh. pavements on MTV. This band's right, not right. on MTV. This is the real <laughs> shit. You see the real cred. This is the underground stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. that's funny. I mean, our, our question that we always ask, of course, when did you first hear of Joe Christmas? Uh, you alluded to there, but what, what like, was it before, like as it was, the, is their first record coming out or what, at what point were they at when you were getting into them? Yeah, I think it must've been their first record must've been out or about to come out. You know, like I was, there was a couple of 
I can't remember if it was open yet or not. There was this venue and I grew up in Jacksonville, Florida. And um, there was an old movie theater that a guy had bought with an insurance settlement <laughs> and turned into a Christian venue called the Murray uh, Hill Theater. Okay. Um, it was, yeah, I think this guy had a tragic story, like his wife and kid died or something, but he got like a massive settlement. Um, mm. And so he opened this like venue and they had Starflyer come that, you know, all the tooth and nail bands would play there and luxury and, um, and uh, they had a little record store there too. So I'd go there to buy like all the little independent, uh, you know, tooth and nail stuff or I don't know, flying tart things like you know um yeah yeah any of those slightly more uh, alternative christian stuff um and so i probably found that there um and but i was i was getting seven ball magazine and stuff sure, like that sure. you know? so i, <laughs> I might have got I, I probably just bought whatever samplers tooth and nail had and they they had that song couple skate that they put yeah, on yeah. that was like their single and it was also on the tooth and nail vhs uh yeah video sampler that I'd got as well. So I can't remember where I first heard it, but okay. with that song, like once it, like the first album was out pretty soon after I first heard it. And uh, that song like spread around my high school and like, like it was a minor hit among like, oh, you that's know, cool. the, the kids I hung around with, like there were so many people that had bands and they'd play at house parties and stuff. And that song would get covered. Like, all these bands that were like not even youth group kids would like yeah. play huh. couple skate. It was kind of weird, but interesting. I, I always they had any. I personally claimed credit for that. For, yeah, of course. Yeah, you but, have you know, to. <laughs> for the great couple skate movement of yes. 1995 or whatever. <laughs> um, yeah, that's interesting. I wonder if they were able to break through at all into like college radio market or anything, because I could definitely see that having happened um, well and do you know the the lead singer did go on to have another band that was like associated with elephant six and was oh, okay. not in the christian world um it was oh. called summer summer hymns um okay yeah and right. i think i did actually see i never saw joe christmas play a show okay but uh i did see summer hymns once i believe at like the empty bottle i think in Chicago. oh cool wow so we um, should check them out you're into them yeah yeah i mean it's okay it's funny because like the more i mean it got some accolades like you know it's got relatively positive pitchfork reviews you know better than anything sure. bazan has ever gotten right? yeah <laughs> right, right. <laughs> but um but to me i mean if i listen to it it doesn't really grab me in the way that you know joe christmas did i mean it's okay. it's interesting and experimental and more musically uh, I accomplished probably, but sure. it doesn't give me the emotional connection as much, but yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. I feel like, I mean, I guess this is true of sort of quote unquote secular culture too, but they fit very solidly in that kind of middle moment of like the Christian alternative scene of the nineties, where it was mm -hmm. like late eighties heading into early nineties was sort of, you know, metal slash rock, the sort of, you know, Mike Knotts of the world would fit in around that time, I suppose. Mm -hmm. And then there's like the huge <clears throat> pop punk breakout of the late nineties, but that middle nineties of that sweet indie rock, uh, was obviously well represented culturally, but I feel like, I mean, and maybe I'm just ignorant of it. And like you're saying, there was an awareness of it that just didn't run as deep as like some of the punk stuff. But like, 
I don't know. It seems unique to me among the sort of Christian world to represent that indie sound of the kind of mid nineties. Um, so like effectively from within that world that the band was doing. Yeah. And I mean, it's just, I mean, they, the other band that I liked that was kind of in, it's not the same vein, but, um, well, they had that album by Sal Paradise, that Australian band, mm-hmm. which I feel like was very similar to, it was, it was released on Tooth and Nail too. And right. it's, they're both character bands named after literary characters. Mm-hmm. So, right. Um, and, you know, like Joe Christmas comes from Faulkner, Light in August. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, Sal Paradise is from On the Road. But um, yep. so they, and then this other band, Delta Haymax, did you ever hear them? They they had this real like um, clean reverby uh, sound, okay. like very throwback to, you know, 50s kind of mm-hmm. um, Earth Angel kind of sound, you know. Cool. <laughs> um, but super drenched in in reverb. And I think they were one of the bands that was like, nobody in the band was even Christian. It was like, it was when Tooth and Nail was kind of like just throwing everything at the wall, you know? Yeah. And um, yep. and I think Joe Christmas probably didn't really care about being a Christian band much, but um, they, uh, yeah, I, I think they were probably just in youth group together or something. I don't really know their origin story. Did, did Have you found anything about that? From what I saw, I mean, yeah, way in here too, Andrew, but like, yeah. it, it seemed like they did like, just kind of grow up in that world. And that's maybe how some of them knew each other, but it wasn't like the epicenter of their, you know, existence in the way that a lot of other bands kind of like lived and breathed the youth group experience. Um, yeah. I saw something about, uh, they played some high school talent show together Right. And they're like, oh, this is fun. Let's just keep, you know, just keep jamming and keep doing this. And, you know, that seems to be, you know, the case for a lot of those early 90s tooth and nail bands. It seemed it seemed rather organic. And and I do think some of these other these more indie bands get got swallowed up because of the popularity of other genres of of the you know mid mid 90s when pop punk started taking off and you know yeah. they got through their money behind the bands that were going to be successful so right, the, right. the mxpx's of of the world took off and then uh the staves acre and, and the joy electrics you know those those bands did okay but they never had anywhere near the success right yeah. um so that's you know it's kind of unfortunate, but they from what I also they were they were Atlanta right they're Georgia yeah was, yeah they they were from Athens I think they they formed in Atlanta and then moved to Athens probably yeah, yeah. which is where I kind of got that sort of REM adjacent college radio yeah. sound yeah, right, right with it you know little little jangly um, mm-hmm. you know maybe. And listening now you can hear the accent a little more yeah yeah you can yeah <laughs> listening to it I mean, as a teenager in jacksonville it didn't show up didn't as much notice, yeah, not registering <laughs> yeah i mean athens was this like 
alternative music hub that I would read about in high school and be like, oh, it sounds like this magical place where like <laughs> yeah. college rock just rules all. And I don't know, so many interesting bands are coming out of there. Did it, I mean, I know Athens isn't like super close to where you were, but did it feel like that as well growing up in Florida? Uh, I mean, I, I have a lot of friends who I went to high school with who live in Athens now or, you know, yeah. gone back and forth between Jacksonville and Athens. And yeah, it was like always kind of the closest mecca kind of feeling yeah. you know like because especially once neutral milk hotel and all the yeah. elephant six stuff was happening like that uh just seemed like a magical place and just to think also like you know so joe christmas is bumming around athens but there's yeah neutral milk hotel all the elephant six stuff is happening at the same time uh the drive-by truckers are there yeah. <laughs> like mm -hmm. um all kinds of stuff uh going on in that place like I, I don't know it's it would be weird to be that band there and be like yeah we're signed to this christian band and they were right. from seattle you know like, yeah well, yeah <laughs> it's interesting i mean they they are an interesting fit within that world in a lot of ways and i feel like i mean this season <laughs> the season has been interesting in a number of ways one of which is like it was kind of andrew's uh caveat or like deference to me to be like all right we'll do some of the cindy rock bullshit for a little while and um it has yielded a mixed bag i would say like going through the bazan and, and, and pedro stuff i think was uh what i hoped it would be in terms of yeah. getting andrew very yeah. on board and the rest has been interesting like i i think i have appreciated the sort of interesting like corners and like um it's sort of pushing at the like boundaries of the christian world with some of the yeah. stuff that we've listened to this year which has been interesting and i appreciate that it's like as opposed to a lot of the sort of some of the punk bands that we've covered i feel like musically i can engage with some of the stuff in a way that i like appreciate more currently as far as like mm. what's happening in music mm -hmm. but as far as like what's really moving me today like I've, I haven't been like super pumped about like a ton of it. And I think we kind of feel similarly about a lot of it where it's like, um, this is interesting and it's like sophisticated, but at a certain point it's like you listen to 10 songs that have the same sort of fuzzy soundscape mm. staying somewhat within the same like register. And while I appreciate it's like uniqueness within that scene, right. it's a little bit like, Okay, I got it. After a little while, you know, um, which I yeah. think is not, you know, unfair to say like only of like Christian bands from that scene. Like I think it's probably broadly those few years of music. A lot of the bands you could say that about, but yeah, it, it like it's funny because you know I, I work on Sound Opinions, right? And um, so I always have to pitch albums to review, and mm -hmm. I'm always trying to come up with stuff that Jim and Greg are gonna like, you know, or right. or be willing to spend the time with to review, and so like uh archers of loaf had a new album mm -hmm. i was like oh these guys are still around they got a yeah. new album coming out what do you guys think about reviewing it and jim's just like uh we have pavement why do i need to listen to archers of loaf <laughs> you know? i mean so it's, it's not like uh joe christmas was the only pavement ripoff right, right it was right. like a whole cottage industry yes yes uh, all across music you know it wasn't just these guys so it's kind of yeah. nice to to if, if you're listening to a derivative band it's like not derivative just because it's christian <laughs> right right yeah it's uh, just part yeah. of a bigger trend you know yeah um, you have to like appreciate that they were following their sort of weird impulses rather than trying to give in to like 
like it's not like i mean their second album it's not like they sold out and like yeah. put a bunch of production into it it was like they kind of stayed in that weird world and obviously and I, they only did a couple records but yeah i feel like the second album uh, listening back now like it has more they were actually developing an identity as a band mm -hmm. like kind of a more unique sound um, yeah and you know not that it's like the most accomplished or you know the greatest artistic achievement now but it was something that was more less derivative than yeah. you know the this album but I will yeah. say, like listening to it, I still know every word of every song in this record. Yeah. So. No, I mean, <laughs> yeah. I I love a lot about it. What 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 was it that like hit you so hard about them? Like what really stood out to you? I mean, about, even about just just the first song. Also, I have to I also have to say uh, the first song, Mister Flood. That was my AOL screen name. Um, oh, hell love yeah! It first, that's a great anecdote. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> Which I you know, so I discovered it was. Um, I, I don't actually know if it's connected to this poem, but there's a poem called Mr. Flood's Party. Mm. It's like a, kind of a sad-ish poem about a guy who uh, talks to himself and has no friends and uh, just like toasts himself. So um, I always wondered if that was the connection. But then recently, actually, I was, uh, this is a totally non sequitur, but watching poker face he has been watching oh, poker face. so good you know the, the episode with darnell and uh yeah. the song he writes on there merch girl yes uh you know i was thinking mr flood the only lyrics of the song are he sells t-shirts at the shows oh, and it rocked all night and so i was i'm debating which of these songs is the better song about the person at the merch table uh -huh. merch i could girl see uh, or mr flood yeah. I could see mountain goats being aware of uh, Joe Christmas at a certain level. Uh, maybe they cross paths. You, you know, um, actually, I was wondering, I really have a theory that I want to, I would love to verify this with Bazan myself, because uh, listening back to Couple Skate, right? Mm -hmm. So um, I don't know if we're getting too deep into uh, specific tracks now, but Couple Skate, mm -hmm. you know, it's, it's a very basic traditional gender roles story of uh you know chased pining for uh you know to roller skate with a girl right but Is a bike no 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 Is if we go stranger stranger dude yeah. yes also talks about a couple skates i almost Ooh, wonder yes. if now it's like an intentional nod yes to that, i know the right? is really similar yeah here's the lyrics uh got my hopes up pretty this is stranger on havasu right Got my hopes up pretty high at an indoor outdoor roller skating rink Ooh. for someone else to feel the heat with holding hands around the couple skate. Yeah. Two by two, they shuffled out to a slow song that still takes my breath away, leaving me solo at the snack bar, eating my shame, which the snack bar comes yep. up in couple yep. skate as well. So, yep. yep. Um, I don't know if it's too much of a coincidence to be a. I wrote down all the same stuff because, like, you know, immediately in my head listening to a couple skate i thought about stranger just because yeah probably we, we talked about that album so extensively and so that yeah. imagery was in my head but by the time he got to yeah holding hands around the couple skate and eating his and, shame at the snack bar i was like i feel like it kind of has to be a nod to yeah that. and and then i'd seen recently i was looking up the members i saw one of the guys was playing a pedro song so yeah. there's a joe christmas to pedro yeah in that direction maybe right. in other direction. i mean it would not be surprising at all if they had 
yeah cross paths at some point right like that yeah, seems like yeah. a likely thing this the the pedro version is of course the sort of more sadder <laughs> perspective on the <laughs> i mean yeah. situation but it's uh, it's so interesting to look at it from both sides because i you know listening back to this record i'm like well all right couple skate it's like uh, I mean, all the all the things I loathe about my high school self, you know, like, <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah. Just this whole like, you know, idealizing relationships with girls, and yeah, you know, like just having this like pie in the sky notion of relationships, and you know, it's just yep. not that that wasn't, you know, it was very chaste as well, you know, just like. Uh-huh. I mean, th- that song also, it reminds me of like Buddy Holly by Weezer, but just mm-hmm. with less confidence. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a good, good um, <laughs> it, It's, it's a song. I mean, it's a jam, I still think, you know, but yeah. it's, uh, and it's definitely their most catchy song, but. Um, yes, to be sure. Yeah, yeah. but, um, but really like going through it, you're like, well, this, I mean, I think they were probably 19 when they wrote that song or something. Right. You know, it's just yeah, or not even very, earlier. Yeah. 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 Not very deep. It's um, very like idealizing and of, of girls and whatnot. Yeah. Yeah. So the record is very steeped in sort of adolescent sort of yeah. pine, pining love songs or unrequited love or that kind of like, yeah, it feels very high school, not in a bad way, just in a like, oh, I remember yeah. feeling this way. Yeah. And this was written by someone who hasn't experienced many relationships. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Unlike about Dave, <laughs> yeah, right. Bazan looking back at himself being like, mm-hmm. I was a fucking sad kid. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but Which yeah. it makes me, I mean, you think if these Joe Christmas guys were right. looking back, they might write the same song yeah, 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 as Stranger. Totally. Yeah. yeah. Um, but, well, you've touched on this, but like to get into it a little more specifically, like can you talk a little bit more about your your background with your relationship to the Christian alternative scene of the '90s? Like, how did you engage with it, and how important was it to you? Yeah, you know, I was I was also thinking about the Joe Christmas being from Atlanta. You know, like growing up in Jacksonville, it was like I went to a public high school, but it was very common to have you know Christian stuff going on. You know. Sure. Um, my dad's United Methodist minister, my grandfather was. So it was, you know, it was, it was one of the ways that I look back at it is it was a lot easier to get along if you were into it, you know, mm-hmm. like, Interesting. so, and I, I, I truly did have a, you know, strong faith at that time. Um, but I, you know, there was young life, there was, uh, my church youth group, there was the all ages, uh, Christian venue. So yep. it was a, yeah, it was a big part of my life, you know, and like, uh, I've told you, John, that like one of the guys in my young life group, actually the, the young life coordinator, her son was in Craig's brother and, uh, right, right. wrote some of those songs on lost at sea. Yeah. Uh, Dan McClintock. Yeah. Oh, but, yeah. Um, cool. Cool. We connected uh, with him a little bit about that. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and he was also in, you know, non-Christian bands, you know, like uh, he was in a band called Limp. And then also his band in high school was Inspection 12. But um, okay. so anyways, it was just sort of all around. It was like kind of the dominant culture. So I was mm-hmm. thinking these Joe Christmas guys, you know, it's just you know, if you form a band, you say, no, we're a Christian band, you know, then it's just like, right. uh, suddenly it's like, 
take the car to band practice, you know, like do, right, right. do whatever you need to do. This is a positive activity. This is right, not delinquent right. behavior. You know, yes. so right. it was just like, I don't know if you guys experienced that as well, but I mean, I was not that, I, I don't want to say that I was um, callous and, you know, calculating in that way, but like, sure. it was definitely factoring into, um, like I played in a couple of bands and, and it was, easier just to be like, yeah, we're a Christian band, you know? So, right. Right. Um, yeah. We all go to youth group. So yeah. You know. sure. Yeah. It almost was like, I mean, there's the whole stereotype about the sort of ghetto of Christian music that it's easier to break in there. And that's not like what my bands were trying to do. We were like, yeah. we're invested in the scene, but it is right. funny to think about like, I, I'm sure there was some calculations made by some bands being like, well, if we called ourselves Christians, it might be easier to get signed. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we, we weren't actually ever going to get signed or trying. Well, sure, but th- yeah. there was a, there was a band I was in uh, with a guy, guy who went to my high school, rich painter and his uncle is John Mark painter. Okay. He was in Nashville and he had a band called Fleming and John and yeah. he played on Jesus Freak. He was like, uh, wow, okay. really deep in yeah. that, you know, Nashville scene. And we, I played in this band with him where I just played. I had a tiny Casio keyboard and played like very simple like keyboard lines. Cool. Uh, it was very much Weezer ripoff band. Um, <laughs> Do we have any and, uh, MP3s we could uh, bust out? Uh, you could probably find some. I, I don't think I recorded any because Rich would just play all the instruments whenever he recorded. He would just. Okay. Uh, do all, all of it himself. Um, but they did, he got signed to Hollywood records, uh, wow. after high school and, um, released an album. So rich creamy, cool. paint, you can look it up. Hey, uh, I, did, I did not play on it, but, it's, okay. cool. <laughs> but, um, you know, that kind of stuff was just all around. So, um, yeah. yeah, I feel like, I mean, another, another similarity with the two Andrews here growing up as pastor's kids, that's one thing, but I also feel like, Andrew Gill, you and I have this, what I perceive at least as a sort of similar experience in terms of having like a foot in both the mainline and evangelical worlds a little bit, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, where for me, it was like, I mean, I know so many people, I think, including Joe Christmas at the time that they were a band were like, they were a Christian band because that's sort of what was the sanctioned scene for them to be a part of. Mm-hmm. Um, like you're saying, it was like, okay, well, if they're Christian, then that's fine. Whereas like, I... I would go to shows of the Christian world and at, you know, first Ave and other whatever regular clubs in combination with each other. And that like, didn't feel particularly weird, but I know that's not everybody's experience of like being in sort of both of those worlds. And I went to an Episcopalian church, but felt like I was in an evangelical youth group. So I don't know. Did you feel like those two worlds colliding growing up? Yeah. I mean, it, I mean, all the, even the mainline churches seemed kind of a yeah, evangelical at the time, at the yes. time and in the place. I think, you yeah, know, like, yeah, sure, um, yeah. So I was, you know, I was raised to to be homophobic and to mm-hmm. think abortion was bad and all, you yeah. know, gay, uh, all that stuff. You know, all came with it. Even though the United Methodist Church in other parts of the country was a lot more right. <laughs> progressive, you know, yeah. but um, it was. It was still very much, I mean, there was an all ages club in Jacksonville that was not a Christian club too, called sure. Einstein and Gogo that was super, it was legendary. Um, and I would go to shows there as well. Um, and 
yeah like it was it was not like i was only allowed to go to these things because my brother had already broken through that um the yeah. ccm rule in our household so uh-huh. um so yeah i i i think that i think it was mostly yeah evangelicalism was just like so steeped in everything you know like yeah. my parents had gone to asbury seminary and they were you know like followed folks on the family and sure. listened to adventures in odyssey and all of that stuff we oh, got i mean the subculture that's the thing the subculture was not contained by a church it was not contained right. by a denomination it was right. it was all consuming yeah. and so it was like the air you breathe it was everywhere so it was almost yeah. impossible to avoid it um yeah i don't know it was yeah no it it just felt like that was you know, we, we've talked about this a lot on our show, but like if you show up to youth group and they're like, okay, here's the Christian culture package uh, we'll provide to you. Here are, here are the bands, here are, yeah. you know, the sort of Christian media. Yeah, you can I didn't consume. actually get that. I, I, okay. I was able to like pick it out for myself, but because yeah. my dad's church has never had very good youth groups, I, I would sure. have to go to, you know, make sure there were kids there, <laughs> like there'd be right, right. five of us or something. But when I was playing in that band with Rich, uh, his dad was a music minister at a Baptist church or something. So he would get us gigs playing for youth groups at different big Baptist churches. Okay. And we'd actually make money. I'd make, yeah. I don't know, 50 bucks or something. For, right. right. That was, you know, all, all four of us got 50 bucks in the band. Yeah. Wow. So, big deal. Uh, you know, each of us got 50 bucks. So, um, I mean, that's, that's not an uncommon thing for, for a lot of the, bands that we've talked to over the years that yeah that they would say like the the small secular club shows were always the most memorable the most fun and the church shows paid well right yeah so yeah. they're there it was like trying to balance yeah that it's like do do i mean like i don't remember who it was maybe it was might have been andy from five iron who said something or maybe reese somebody said that like they he doesn't like remember a single church show but he can yeah. remember like right, right. all yeah. of these different club show ex- experiences yeah, for and, sure yeah. and so, i i saw five iron at that uh all ages murray hill theater like multiple times and it, those shows were lit they were like yeah. wild like yeah yeah sold out um and so those venues were kind of in between but like um, and I mean, yeah, the youth group thing, though, for sure, these Baptist churches had budgets and we were just scrappy little high school kids and they were paying us 250 or something. I'm sure Rich was keeping more money for himself than he was paying sure. us. So, yeah, <laughs> but um, but yeah, then the you know youth pastor would come out and do a sermon and altar call after we had yep. played. And we're like, our songs aren't about uh, like right. our songs were just like basically about as deep as many of the Joe Christmas songs, but with less literary illusions, you know, (laughs) we didn't ever quote Karl Marx or anything. Yeah. Um, Uh, Yeah. But yeah, like we were not priming the pump for an altar call. It was not. (laughs) Yeah. I, I don't remember ever, you know, because I didn't play in a band that uh, played around that much, but like, I don't remember getting the, pressure that i know a lot of artists that have come on the show talked about of like 
the pastor, youth pastor, whatever that's hosting the event, basically being like, hey, you got to give a little yeah. sermon. So I remember just feeling the general vibe in the yeah. place of being like, eh, this feels like a place I don't want to be. And yet they are paying. The tiny club yeah. that we like, can't wait to play at will not, but we're more excited yeah. about that one. So anyway, <laughs> it's attention. Yeah. Well, I um, never played a, a gig at, we, a, at a real club or anything, just at the Christian club. So, yeah. I mean, it sounded like a pretty cool club. Yeah, it was um, cool. We alluded to this a little bit already. Uh, we have a shared passion for Bazan and Pedro and shouted out the fact that Sound Opinions hosted that uh, live recording and show with, with them earlier this year. So, so jealous. So yeah, jealous. it was it was really great. Yes. Um, yeah. So mention that, but who were some others from the sort of Christian indie world or the scene in general that were like, as important to you as them or Joe Christmas growing up. Like we, we, I want to shout out quickly and see if you, I mean, some of the bands we've talked about this season are like, uh, you, you already mentioned Starflyer, you know, the Martin brothers thing, Morales forest drivers aid, but we talked about Viva Voce recently. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And both of us were just like, Holy shit. How did we yeah. miss them? Like they rule. Yeah. So I don't know were, were any of those yeah. bands in your wheelhouse. I knew about Viva Voce, but that was after I was already at college. Cause I moved, okay. you know, to we, I went to college at Wheaton. And so I moved up here and I don't think they ever came through this area. They never toured really. Um, uh, but I did listen. I, I can't remember if I had any, their records or not, but, but yeah, I, I knew about them. Um, I really, I really like Joy Electric and yeah. Starflyer um, and Joe Christmas, and then I got into like Velvet Blue. Uh, okay. Like, but like I was, I signed up for their like street team. And they, cool. they had this email listserv that I was part of, um, that was very active, and like lots of people. The guy who did Burnt Toast Vinyl was on there. Uh, and, yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, I think the guy um, from npr music lars gotridge was on there okay. yeah yeah hmm. hey edward keys the uh, he's like editorial director at Bandcamp now um okay a lot of you know like serious music writer uh, aspiring at that time they were aspiring music writers you know that's cool um and so that was very active through like 96 through 99 or 2000 ish yeah. um but yeah, like everything Velvet Blue put out, I was very into it. Like Lassie Foundation, that was mm. super good. And um, before that, the Prayer Chain, they were mm-hmm. kind of the, you know, Christian grunge band. Uh, I saw them once right, when I right. was in college. They like did a reunion show at like uh, in Joliet. What's or no? What's the school in uh, in Elgin? Uh, the Christian school. Judson, Judson, Judson? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They used to put on shows when I was in college, and we'd go there sometimes. Yeah, I would go to shows there too. Yeah, yeah, yeah we're probably at the same shows. But <laughs> probably. Um, and there was this other band on Velvet Blue called Jatender Paul that I really yeah. super liked hmm. for similar yeah. reasons as Joe Christmas. Um, they were more. I don't mean this uncharitably, but they were more of a guided by voices uh, sure. imitator than a pavement imitator. Uh-huh. <laughs> there are two two wolves two within camps you. In the, yeah, <laughs> the guided it, by voices. Yeah. Anyway, if you're a lo-fi indie rocker, uh, you can follow the pavement path or the right. guided by voices path. Yeah, yeah, that's funny. Yeah, I don't know. Um, I calling out Viva Voce because I'm just like I don't know how we how they weren't on our radar, but yeah. Um, yeah. We observed recently too. I don't know if you know this, but the band Slang. Um, Slang. No, I don't think I know them. So Anita 
formerly Robinson, oh. now Anita Lee Elliott, is in that band oh. with Janet Janet Weiss, who's the you know Slater Kinney drummer. Yeah, and they're, yeah, they're awesome. They just put out nice. a record last yeah. year, so I'm like, oh, and they're in Portland, right? Yeah, yeah. So yeah, nice. Anyway, I'm all about Anita Lee Elliott. All of a sudden, uh, yeah, so yeah. Check out Slater because they did get some like yeah general indie market cred after uh-huh. like on their second or third album right like they were yeah not just in the for the sure crin- the crindy uh yes yeah. <laughs> yeah they seem to be pretty solidly outside of the like explicitly christian world pretty quickly right. um, yeah yeah but yeah that's great we, i mean we've obviously covered a fair amount of velvet blue stuff this season yeah but there's so much good stuff there to dive into well um, one interesting thing about jatender paul i have uh-huh. to say is they were even more like literary and like academic you know like okay. big words stuffed into these tiny little beatlesque lo-fi pop songs cool. but the one of the main guys in that group is randall stevens who is now a uh professor of religious history at the university of oslo and oh. he he wrote this book called the devil's music um for right. harvard university press which is like a a major text that i'm using yeah. for the ccm podcast that I'm working cool on, yeah which, uh, I mean, i'm like not I was too, one of, one of the too different people. than like <laughs> like uh blaster the rocket man yes. yeah i heard that auto now he's like a He's living in Scotland and he's a professor, <laughs> you know, like all these all these indie rock punk dudes becoming like PhD professors. Yeah. Um and did you did you ever listen to Mercury Radio Theater? We covered I, them. I did. I think I saw them at Cornerstone. The one year cool. I went to Cornerstone. Yeah. I saw them and I saw Jatender Paul. They were like cool. Mercury Radio Theater was in like a, one of the, you know, smaller side tents. And I feel yeah. like it was the middle of the night or like 10 and 10 at night or something. And they were playing and had people running around like crazy in the crowd and like, yeah. you know, turned off. Like that was another band that I did see at that secular all ages venue was Manor Astro Man, which sure. um, I felt like Mercury Radio Theater fit right in. You know, yes. they were like totally part of that scene and yeah uh, and could hold their own yeah 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 and then blaster i think i they played that same cornerstone i think but it was a daytime show i think okay Um, or no no that was ss bounty hunter that was yes all all weird bands we've gotten (laughs) deeply into (laughs) um well yeah what you said earlier is a perfect segue to to talk a little bit more about the the prx podcast you've got coming up can you you share with folks a little more about that yeah, it's like, it's it's kind of a, a crazy, I've been talking about this, I probably have talked with you about this, John, for more than a year and a half or something. Yeah, <laughs> so, right. Uh, I just felt like there's hasn't been like one of those like, you know, shiny, glossy prestige podcasts about like, this is what the Christian music industry is. And like, here's a perfect illustration of like the gap that I see, right? This movie, The Jesus Revolution, right? That's out. Right. I, I, I'm curious if your audience has seen it. Um, it did make $20 million so far at the box yeah. office in like less than a week. Um, but it's, you know, it's the story of uh, Calvary Chapel and the supposed beginnings of Christian music, um, which is ironic. They In the movie, they don't even show them establishing a record label or like pressing records and selling 
the recorded product of love song. They're just yeah. like, no, it's just the spirits moving through the air. And people have heard that this hippie is a preacher and right. the church is cool now. So they're coming out in droves, but it like stops right, you know, in like 19, probably 1973 or 1974 huh. when, okay. when Chuck Smith, uh, played by Kelsey Grammer gives, uh, you know, spoiler alert if you haven't seen the movie, but <laughs> Chuck Smith gives, uh, Greg Laurie his, a church to, you know, start his own church, which then okay. becomes Harvest Bible Chapel. Right. Uh, and then, you know, flash forward to the Trump administration and Greg Laurie's yes. in there laying hands on uh, Donald J. Yeah. Um, and uh, so, I mean, the fact that they like go up to 1974 and then like don't, they just skip over the 80s, you yeah. know, <laughs> the 90s. Yeah. Like, right, right. It's yeah, just like, yeah, let's that. just forget that ever happened, you know. Yeah. Um, we seemed cool when we were in the 60s and 70s. Like we right. were... I was I was just walking away from the watching the movie. I was like, that was the last moment that these people were anywhere close to coolness. <laughs> was mm, like, yeah, <laughs> interesting. Um, and so I, I feel like, yeah, doing this podcast is like, you know, how do we get from there to here? Uh, and like, who was it that was making these decisions? Who were, yeah, mm. who were, uh, uh, yeah, what were the forces that could, you know, work together to, to get us through this stuff? And it's more than just like Amy Grant, you know, it's like right. not just Amy Grant striper and then tooth and nail or you know, we it's, that's a lot more to it. And so, yeah, we're, I'm working with this, um, religious historian, Leah Payne. Um, yeah, she's great. She's, uh, yeah, she's written a book on CCM. John actually first told me about Leah and I, I sought her out and I, I interviewed her and then we realized, Oh, our projects are basically the same. Let's unite mm. our projects and, mm. uh, do a podcast on this. So, yeah. um, so yeah, she's, she's got a book that she's finished and is being peer reviewed and all because it's a legitimate academic text. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, in the meantime, we're working on this podcast. So cool. I'm very excited for it. And folks in our world should definitely keep a lookout for that for as well sure. i'm sure uh people who are into the conversations we have will be very into listening to that and you are an excellent podcast producer and creator so i have no doubt that it'll be a really great show but uh, yeah folks should uh watch out for that yeah if you want to um have like the best updates like actually following leah is probably the best bet <laughs> on, sure. on twitter doctor any of the social platforms dr leah Payne, p-a-y-n-e okay. uh, she puts out all the announcements but i mean you can follow me too but you probably won't get as much ccm content but sure. fair <laughs> enough um well speaking of ccm content i think it's time to i think it's mm. christmas time baby um <laughs> Well, Joe Christmas was formed in 1992 in Georgia, as we've discussed. The initial lineup was Zach Gresham on vocals and guitar, Russell Holbrook on guitar, Ryan Weaver on bass, and Jason Dempsey on drums. Uh, as you mentioned earlier, uh, the first show they played was a high school talent show when they were originally called the Subliminal Neckties. Uh, <laughs> they later changed their name to Crayon. Um both good, you know, sort of indie rock band names. Um, but another band had the name Crayon, and they were reading the book, as you mentioned, Andrew Gill, A Light in August by William Faulkner in AP English class, and changed their name to its central character, Joe Christmas. 
Um, we've mentioned a lot about their influences already. Pavement is certainly there. I feel like Dinosaur Jr., like very clearly one of them. Um, that guitar sound and the sort of Jay Maskus vocal sound, I feel like comes through, I think, Pixies for sure, right? There's like some Frank Blackisms in his vocal performance. Sure, yeah. The loud, quiet, loud thing is all over the place. Um, I think even like, you know, early Flaming Lips is in there a little bit. Um, and I mean, he's got some some Kurt Cobain-esque uh, post-Nirvana. Like when his voice really strains, I feel like you can hear some of that Nirvana lineage too. So I don't know. I feel like all that stuff is in there. Um, but they, after releasing, so they self-released two records when they were in college. Uh, and then they were offered a record deal with Flying Tart Records, uh, which you mentioned before, Andrew, uh, home to a lot of well-known bands, uh, Huntington's, Sixpence, Scattered Few, Spyglass Blue, uh, for the Magnifrite pod heads out there. Um, but, um, so in college, Jason Dempsey, their drummer leaves, um, and they practice three times with a new drummer, Philip Brown, before going to record their debut LP. Um, so my understanding is they were sort of flying by their seat of the pants a little bit with playing some of these songs that they recorded for the album, which is, you know, not an uncommon thing for folks who got a record deal recently, but, um, Steve Hindelong, who we also talked about recently, Andrew Phelan from, uh, the lost dogs, uh, produced yeah. the record, in the uh, choir, right? It was in the choir yeah, in the choir as well. So some, you know, Christian rock royalty there. Uh, but he produced the record and flying tart sent a copy of the final mix to Brandon Ebel, supposedly to be like, hey, check this out. And Tooth and Nail bought them out of their contract and signed them. Um, classic kind of Brandon Ebel fashion. Yeah. Um, but they were, so then uh, Tooth and Nail released the record in the summer of 95. Uh, and their second album, North to the Future, was also released on Tooth and Nail in 96. And then that was it for them. Only the two records. Um, it said in the, uh, in the liner notes for Upstairs Overlooking, I don't know if you guys saw this, that this album was originally recorded for Flying Tart Records. However, in the interest of capitalism and corporate totalitarianism, <laughs> Tooth and Nail Records apprehended it, uh, which is pretty great. Um, That's the the first sign of like what was actually going on behind the yeah, scenes. <laughs> like, yeah, we're kind of joking, but uh, not really. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I, they are. Um, when I've looked up some of the band numbers thoughts on the era, seem to be pretty positive overall on Tooth and Nail and their experience with them, and they're like, you know, they definitely exposed us to a level of uh market awareness that we wouldn't have had otherwise so it seems to have been a, a decent experience for them as we were saying though that was like to be out by 96 is like still fairly early on in the whole yeah tooth and nail experience um and i think you know there were probably a lot of people who picked it up just because it was like among the first however many tooth and nail releases and they're just like kind of like you were saying with um, velvet blue like probably a certain amount of people at that point were just like i'll get whatever tooth and nail puts out um, so they probably benefited from that sort of early, uh, part of that whole scene. Um, but upstairs overlooking was released August 25th, 95. It includes one track, uh, from their earlier EP oatmeal, uh, which is the song slick chicken, which we'll get into, but, uh, you could definitely tell that comes from an EP, uh, not Oof. the same sessions as the other ones. That one is interesting. Um, I mean, I assume you love it, John, because it sounds so shitty. <laughs> that's shitty. That's my favorite. Um, it's a vibe. It's a vibe. Uh, it doesn't need to be seven plus minutes no, long. I'll say that. that I will um, say that for 
a lot of the songs yeah, on this. There's, there's on this some record. long ones. There's some meandering. Yeah. Um the uh the songs Goodbye and Sonnet 61 are also on that oatmeal EP, but they were re-recorded for this one. So I don't know what the story is about not attempting a re-record on the other one, but uh they also re-recorded the song Baby Shoes from that EP for the next record. Um, but yeah, as we mentioned, co-produced and engineered by Steve Hindelong at Neverland Studios in Nashville. Uh, the other co-producer engineers were Chris Colbert, who uh, we've talked he's, about. He also he's done everything. Yes, yeah, yeah. Uh, Morales Forrest, Mike Knott, Plank Guy, many others. And um, now I, I recently read that he's like maintaining uh, Richard Swift's studio out in Oregon since oh, he cool. died. Yeah, yeah. like it's uh, Na- National Freedom, I think is the name yeah. of the studio. But okay, yes, he's still running now. it. Yeah, cool. Well, I yeah, know. definitely. I always pronounced it Colbert, but that was before Stephen Colbert, so maybe it's. I Colbert. said the I same know. in my head, and then I heard yeah. Russell Holbrook on a podcast say oh, Colbert, yeah, so Colbert. I'm like, wow. I mean, I'll I'll go with that pronunciation. See, I just always assumed Stephen Colbert's pronunciation was a joke, but it yeah. is because in real yeah. life it's Colbert, <laughs> and he said it would be funny to call the character Colbert, and then that just yeah, yeah. so I don't know who okay. knows. Yeah. Um, maybe maybe Russell is just misremembering through the lens of Stephen Colbert. Um, and it was also uh, produced and engineered by Sky McCaskey, who is an engineer from Rails Forest and the choir and others. So I think it mostly sounds pretty good, shittiness aside. Um, <laughs> there's definitely like a world of fuzz, which is a world yeah. we've talked about this season, Andrew. Um, not a, not always a world I enjoy <laughs> no. visiting for prolonged periods of time. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's. It, I know you can find that world overwhelming, um, but I like spending time in that sonic world of fuzz. Um, yeah. However, it can overstay its welcome, as we were alluding to earlier, and I feel like yeah. There's definitely some moments here that get a little monotonous and samey yeah. after a while. I mean, yeah. probably four, the- four minutes, five minutes of just wall of fuzz. And it just doesn't, it doesn't do anything for me. It, it like you're saying, it gets a little samey. And I think you get to the point where like uh, five, six songs in, you're like, okay, I got it. I think yeah. I got it. I mean, that might be one of the reasons the first track is one of the best ones. It's yes. like yes. barely minute a minute half. long. You know? Get in, get out. <laughs> it's a minute yeah. There are a lot of four to five minute songs plus. Yeah. So it, it doesn't yeah. feel breezy, even though it's only no. 10 songs. But that's been true of a lot of the bands we've talked about this, this season, Andrew, where it's like, I don't know, it gets a little, it gets a little samey after a while, um, kind of living in that sort of similar sonic wavelength yes for a prolonged yeah. period but i will say i think the lo-fi sound works uh there's sort of you know the vocals are maybe intentionally kind of muddy sometimes they're yeah. not they're not singing harmonies on pitch always intentionally you know um <laughs> yeah but at the drum sound i think certainly leaves something to be desired um <laughs> but i generally like it i like this sound as we were saying like especially within the christian scene i think it's cool that that sound was like represented in that world and it's a sound that i like so i i'm into it but yes i think i don't know by track i don't know maybe you're right andrew like six or seven i'm kind of like i think i'm good on this record now and then there comes a seven minute song after that so it does (laughs) i think in chunks is my preferred way to to take in joe christmas um yeah they could have they could have used 
maybe a little bit of a different mix and certainly a click track would have been helpful at a sure. variety of times. There are times when like the guitars are like trying to like play. I mean, this might be a part of the issue with the new drummer and everybody yeah. maybe being a little bit uh, green in that, in that sense. Um, but yeah. yeah, a couple of the songs Steve Hindelong played the drums on because the new drummer hadn't learned the parts yet. And I feel like you can kind of tell when he's playing. I don't think the drum parts are ever bad, but I think the just the drum sound, you know, like it's pretty muddy and washed out and back in the mix. And I feel like when Steve Hindelong is playing, it's like, oh, I'm like noticing it more than with some of the other tracks. Um, but I don't know. I All the songs are written by the band. Uh, they, they credit the entire band. And as we were kind of naming like, the lyrics are mostly sort of about young love, unrequited love, adolescence. You know, as we mentioned, there's no explicitly Christian content to be found. There are a couple of moments which I'd be curious to read you guys' takes on. But I think on the whole, they don't take themselves too seriously, which is nice. Um, and again, feels a little different from some artists we've covered of like young men in a band oh where it's kind of like, you yeah. need to hear all your innermost uh, thoughts on how you're you know, faith is shaping the world. Like I'm fine with hearing about um, skating around the roller rink or whatever. So yeah, it's, I, in I, that sense, it's refreshing that sure. you even if even if they're not explicitly Christian, having a band on a Christian label not go out of their way to do one of two things. You know, talk about uh, you know forcing jesus into a song or talking about how they're a giant piece of shit right yes yeah we, we we've we've talked at length about uh how many bands made up of young christian men were just like i'm just awful i'm the worst i can't believe that god loves me and it's just like all right you're like you're you're doing okay buddy you're, you're okay do, you're like it's not okay. You're, you're just jerking 19. off a lot, but you're you're yeah. doing all right. Right, it's not the end of the world. I don't know, Andrew Gill. What were you? You're gonna say something earlier. Uh, yeah. I was just gonna uh, make a point in defense of indie rock as an aesthetic. Um, uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know the the terrible um, mixing and sort of like the bad recording. Um, you know, it's funny to get it when you go to a studio, like in a different state to record, but it's, you know, I, I think part of the magic trick of a band like pavement or something is that, you know, it, it sounds like everything's falling apart and not right. going to work, but, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. but then somehow you make it to the end of the song and it's still catchy and, uh, For sure. and it's still, it's somehow like has a je ne sais quoi, you know, just yeah. something about it that's different than what you were listening to yesterday or something. So anyways, I think especially in this band, like as opposed to like Morales forest or something like the shambolicness of it is part of the point. I think. Yeah. I was just going to say shambly. It feels it's a shambly shambolic vibe. And I, it's a vibe I'm here for. Like I like, I like living in that sort of imperfect loose sound. Um, I'd, I'd take that over perfect sounding. Um, yeah. But it it is true that living in that world for a prolonged amount of time, sometimes I'm like, I could, I could stand for a little more production sometimes. Yeah. Um, you know, but also like, yeah, reflecting on, on that whole aesthetic um, from the vantage point of 2023, you know, like 
you're like, wow, what a statement of white male privilege to be like, we don't even have to like play together and we're good, you know, <laughs> <Yeah>. like, <laughs> like in, just sort of like yeah. phone it in and be whatever, you know, and right. we're great because we're yeah. white dudes. You know? <laughs> right. like, <laughs> yeah. That's pretty funny. Yeah. We, we did, we meant to not play the right notes. <laughs> right. Um, if you don't get you it, it's your don't fault. understand our genius. Too. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, well, that's kind of all I have for, for setup context, uh, unless others have any anything else to add, should we should we dive into the flood here? I think we should. Uh, first track on Upstairs Overlooking, Mr. Flood. Mr. Flood. Hell yeah. half the song yeah (laughs) um Uh, this is my number three my number three as well yeah i can't i i i I couldn't deny that even though the song doesn't it barely feels like a song but uh it it is one of the maybe three catchy and hooky songs on the record and the fuzzy the fuzzy driving bass yeah it sounds it just sounds so dirty and i'm like that 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 that, that enough uh was enough for me for the song the yeah that that fuzzy bass line is really yeah. great i mean it's it a great me melody cool. i think that opening hook is just so memorable it's a great way to open a record um as we mentioned, it's you know short and sweet, shortest song by far on the record. But I don't know. I think yeah. it sets a really nice tone. I, I liked it immediately. I don't know, Andrew Gill. What are your I, thoughts? I definitely pl- learned how to play this song on guitar. Hell yeah, in high school <laughs> and uh, <laughs> play it at band practice. It was yep. it was awesome. Um, cool. Yeah, I I still don't know if I mean these guys were such you know pretentious literary <laughs> like yeah dudes. i think you're probably I wonder right if they were referencing this poem because i think i think you're probably right in high school or college yeah lot, so. sounds right uh, sounds it sounds like, like the kind AP of thing english dudes yeah it sounds like the kind of thing uh high school students would be like well let's let's like write something that's a little bit more you know deep that like nobody would necessarily get the reference to yeah. right? Even you wouldn't understand like, yeah <laughs> yeah i, I mean, mean this, this sorry, song does strike me as if this song were a little bit more produced, John, this song would be like one that I could hear you being like, uh, what? It's fine. It's a, I've heard this chord progression a million times, you know, whatever, yeah. but it's, it's just that shitty enough that <laughs> I think you're, you're right. Like, you're like top three. <laughs> I mean, we are big texture boys. And yes. This is some nice texture. I feel like there's some, there's some grit that, yeah, the shambolic nature of it, Andrew, I think is what sort of, 
makes it unique. If it were a cleaned up version, I wouldn't like it as much. You're right. So <laughs> yeah, yeah you, you feel like you're just dropping into their band practice and they uh -huh. just happen to land on this riff and right. everybody just hit at the right moment, you know? Yeah, yeah. Like, just went with it. By the yeah. time they get to and rocked all night with yeah. the harmonies, it's pretty yeah. great. Uh, having said that, I could not find the lyrics to this one. So it's unclear. He sells t-shirts at the shows okay. and, and it rocked all night. That's all okay. I, I mean, sounds, yeah. sounds pretty good. So. <laughs> um, but this, this doesn't make your, your top three, Andrew Gill. Oh, I would say, yeah, it's top three. I, I okay. my debate is if it's better than merch girl from poker face, um, <laughs> it is a good, but I think good conversation probably. to have yeah. Chloe Savini could never, uh, yeah. <laughs> um, all right. Well, do you, I mean, do you want to, you want to actually rank them or just say it would make your top three? Yeah, it, it is. Uh, I, I would give it, uh, I mean, it's, it is my screen name. So <laughs> special place in your <laughs> it head. It could be an, an, I mean, I think there's one song that actually has meaning, um, okay. uh, on here that I still would resonate right. with, but, um, so I want to save a spot for that. I don't know. It's got to be yeah. three. I'll go with three. Yeah. Okay. Right. That sounds good. Three across Unanimous. the board. Yeah. Yeah. I have a feeling the next song may rank higher. <laughs> Couple skate. It takes a second to get to the payoff. It does. The payoff is so good. It is. It's this is my number one. My number one as well. Yeah. I I can't deny the hookiness. It's and really the great. Slow. Yeah, they, they make you wait. They make you wait for it, but it just like it reminds me of of a lot of that 
late 80s early 90s college rock that like i just think of rem that they they start to build up to get to the course and get to the hook but then they pull it back and make you wait make you wait for that payoff and then that just makes it so much more satisfying yes um satisfying is a word i have in my notes many times because there's something to that fuzzy indie rock aesthetic we were talking yeah. about where all of a sudden when you just slam on the distortion pedal for the chorus yeah. it's just like yes like <laughs> yeah. full band come in full fuzz give it to me um yeah this this is their big hit uh makes sense why i i love this it's this great grungy chord progression but it's really catchy like you were saying um i don't know but Overall thoughts, Andrew Gill? I think the the thing that I was noticing when we were listening to it this time was uh, how the guitar and the bass, like the bass is going descending and the guitar yeah, yeah. is ascending. Yeah, I love and, that. Yeah. And it just gives it that layer of complexity that makes it yes. feel uh, greater than just a three chord, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. yeah. Um, I, I really feel like it's in the vein of Buddy Holly by Weezer or something, mm-hmm. you know, um, with the Night Ranger reference. Uh-huh. <laughs> and I also like how later they, instead of Night Ranger, they say Joe Christmas. Joe Christmas. Uh, yeah. Self-referential. Uh, yes. songs. Yeah. Uh, right. Yeah. You gotta love to- it when a band will, will go to go that direction. You know? Yeah. I love, I love going from Night Ranger playing on the stereo to, why the hell not? Joe Christmas playing on the stereo. It's like, yeah, guys. Like it's yeah, really fun. He's going, they're at the at the rink. They slip him a demo. Like, put, this, put this in. Put this on. Um, yeah, I, it's such a perfect little grungy pop song. Um yeah. it's a nice little tale of, of young love. I feel like it captures that vibe well, like we were talking about. And I really like his vocals and the harmonies here. I think that's yes. true throughout the record, but they do a really nice job of, of bringing in those background vocals whenever those choruses hit and some nice little pavementy riffs, uh, you know, as you're saying it before Andrew Gill, like the that feels very like, I don't know. I could see that coming out of a Stephen Malcolm's chorus. Uh, totally feels like in that world. I don't know. It's great. Does it, is it in your, your top three? Yeah, it's probably got to okay. be number one. Um, yeah, okay. You know, did you guys know the Huntingtons cover this too? There's a version. Oh, of really? Fascinating. Yeah. Got to find um, that. But also, um, like I was saying, friends of mine in high school, there was a, some friends who had a band called the Cadets. And I remember this one gig, they played at a skating rink in the cool. middle of the rink. Cool. And they played, they covered couple skate, of course. You Hell know, yeah. So. so did you skate around them or? Uh, you... I, w- I was standing watching. But them, some but people, people could were skate around them. Yes, that yes, sounds was... awesome. I want that I, to happen now. Yeah, my friend in that band now lives in Athens too. Uh, cool. There you oh, go. Yeah, yeah. Uh, get him on the pod. Um, <laughs> we talked about the video briefly um, before, yeah. but we should mention yeah. it's like. Most 90s video. Yes, yeah, so 90s. <laughs> I love it. So 90s, super lo-fi. Yeah, zero budget. Uh, zero, zero budget <laughs> lots of shaky cam yeah. um yeah but you know it's got the uh it's got the story represented on screen a guy asked yeah. girl out at school you know with a yes or no note passed to her in class yeah uh, if they'll go to the rink they end up at the rink they skate around it cuts to the band playing perfect sort of 90s then you got to cut over to the band playing kind of video setup uh, i don't know just kind of a nice warm romantic vibe like the song it feels nice. I don't know. As far as I can tell, the only video they did. Um, but I think so, yeah. It feels like, I don't know. I feel like it captures the moment well, even if, again, it's kind of shitty, like, uh, <laughs> like, <laughs> like the sound of some of the, I don't know. I feel like it's a good 
aesthetic compliment to the like lo-fi-ness of it but yes um just get right. a bunch of their friends hey you want to be in a be in a yeah. music video right. this is great this Show is like up at we were talking time. about a graveyard club a band yeah. Andrew Feel and I love dearly filming one of their recent videos at a skating rink. Mm-hmm. And just like afterwards, I was like, can we please go to a skating rink? Like, this sounds awesome. I want to put on a band I like and go skate around. It sounds yeah, really I mean, Yeah. But after all these conversations we've had about skating rinks in recent years, you know, with the, with Pedro and then like, yeah, I spent this time on like on Google trying to like find, uh-huh. cause he's like talking about this. It's an outdoor skating rink. I'm like, oh, yeah, you found be... it, right? Yeah. Yeah, I did. Yeah. Nice. Um, <laughs> Then you know indoor outdoor great. roller rink is what yeah. he says. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, fine. Fuck, so. fuck right. yeah. Sorry, John. All right. <laughs> no, um, I'm just saying that that was like a not a combination of words I heard before I have a No, so. no, for sure not. Um yeah, I I don't remember. Do you remember where the, the graveyard club skating rink? It's was? like Coon Rapids or somewhere. I identified oh. it. We're gonna go oh, there. Yeah, don't the worry gross. about it. Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> We're gonna be rolling around that rink pretty soon. Don't worry about it. Um <laughs> All right. Well, I'm 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 curious about your all's thoughts on this next one. All right. Yellow umbrella. <laughs> All right. Stand time, guys. <laughs> this is a uh, Steve Hindelong on drums for this one. Philip had not learned the part yet. I like it a lot. Um, I will say it feels a little meandery in the beginning. Yeah. Um, but once that distortion kicks in for the chorus, I'm just like, oh, this, this is great. Um, 
I'm very intrigued by the like all that is holy is profane. And I'm wondering if you all have thoughts on like, is this the most spiritual song on the album? Like I could maybe see this being some kind of Christian metaphor, possibly. He says, all that is solid now in the air, all that is holy is profane. Um, and then there's I, this, I never yeah. knew until I was prepping for this that that's from the Communist Manifesto. Ah, there you go. Um, there's that Marx. Yeah. These literary guys. Yeah. Um, and so like as a high school kid, I'd never, I sang along to this song a million times and right. never knew that, but I was just thinking so like- So it's the opposite of Christian. Well, yeah. And maybe, it, maybe they were, <laughs> you know, doing a more nuanced critique than we ever imagined. Uh, sure. Like, I don't know. Are they talking about anti-communist, like nuclear right, pro right. proliferation? Like the yellow yeah. umbrella is the, <laughs> right, yeah, okay. you know, Star Wars defense system and- uh -huh. I don't, uh, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I wondered like, is the yellow umbrella God, but right. I'm probably overreaching. I don't know. He says, I've never had a craving. I'm not concerned with behaving. It's inflation that keeps me saving. It's my lack of that keeps me praying. They don't exist in my world. Um, I don't know. That makes more sense now. I'm like I, that, that phrase is so familiar. That makes sense that I've heard it before. And now within that context, I'm like, Oh, maybe the, you know, that, you know, talking about inflation and craving, those feel sort of like Marxist capitalist. Yeah. Or, yeah that's yeah. really interesting. I don't Marxism know. Marxism versus capitalism. I don't know. Yeah. If he's, if he's caught, yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah. I was just gonna say, if he's calling out like the, like, if what we find holy in society is sort of consumerism or whatever, like commercialism, finding that holy, that being profane, I'm like, oh, that's. That's pretty cool. <laughs> uh, and that might be what he's doing. I don't know. It, it would be, I mean, if he was more confident in it, we might be able to figure it out. <laughs> yeah, sure. It's really um, interesting though. It feels, yeah. it feels Nirvana-ish to me, like repeating all that is holy is profane. I know it's like, you know, obviously a famous phrase as you pointed out, but like, it feels like something Kurt Cobain would yell over and over in a song or something. Yeah. When um, I heard it, I thought maybe it was a line from Flannery O'Connor. And so sure. feels like that too. And then mm. I found that it was Karl Marx. So yeah. Interesting. Uh, um, yeah. I don't know. I, I, I think by the time it gets to that point, it becomes really interesting to me. It is one that is, you know, five minutes plus, right. I mean, right. it's almost, pretty long, yeah. almost five minutes. So like, yeah, my patience may wear a little thin with it. But again, I feel like I'm a sucker for any time they play with the dynamics in that way where like all of a sudden it really kicks into gear for me. I don't know. I feel like this is one feeling that you're like, uh, I'm tuning out. Am I right? <laughs> it's it's not my it's not my top three. Me neither. I I I think as far as like you know, you know, there's only ten songs on the record, but I, I would say this is probably in my top five. Okay. Um, yeah, I think that's fair. You know, but it, it's again, it, like you said, little meandery. Um, it, it's the, it doesn't have the same. You know, when couple skate takes that two minutes plus minutes to get to the payoff. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm, it, it feels worth it. Uh, for me, the, this one doesn't have that that same. I don't have that same experience with this. The payoff is, is yeah. fine, but um. I don't know if you know two and a half minutes is is worth it for for this song. Sure, yeah. I, 
I was thinking also that like, as far as the pavement homage, you know, kind of thing, like this is the one that they wrote after they listened to here from Slanted sure. and Enchanted. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, they're like, all right, we could do a right. really plaintive one with a simple guitar part and yeah. nice lyrics. And yeah. Yeah, yeah musically think... it's not as satisfying, but it's got, no. you know, now that I know that they're quoting something, the lyrics are a little more to dig into. Yeah, yeah that is interesting. Yeah. It 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 feels I knew there was like some weight behind it, but now that I understand the context for it, I'm like, oh that you know, there is some some weight here that maybe feels unique. So yeah. Um all right. Goodbye. Not yet, John. We're just getting started. L O L O L O L. The song is a little bit longer than the last one. Uh, also pushing five minutes. Also <laughs> some plaintive, quiet guitar for a while. Yep. That hiss in the background is like so loud. This song fucking rules. Yeah, I like it a lot. This, this is my number two. Okay. Uh, the dynamics, they've like, they nailed the dynamics on this song. Yes. They, it's, they don't, they don't make you wait for it forever. And it's, it goes back and forth from, you know, the, the loud, quiet, loud, quiet. I mean, that was the thing, you know, Nirvana, yeah. you know, made that shit mainstream and it and it just works so well on yep. this song and i'm so into it and the the descending chords yep. that they do yeah it's great it's it's so cool and i love his vocals on this one i really yeah, love his vocals on this yep i have all the same notes here i think this is a really satisfying example of that like clear simple guitar and vocals and then just like distortion pedal stomp and yeah. I don't know it's that's always really satisfying to me but I feel like this one particularly nails that 90s yeah. dynamic and fuzzy sound yeah. that dynamic change is so satisfying and I like the general vibe a lot I don't know just wailing on the crash yeah yeah Gil what are your oh, man. I, I'm just sitting over here triggered because it's like sending me back to high school it's just so like <laughs> yeah I, I remember this was the song I would go to with like 
unrequited crushes. Yes, oh, like yes, when I'd be sir. friend-zoned, you know, I'd be like, oh. <laughs> and, yep. and listening back, I just cringe. I'm like, oh, well, I was such a, such a privileged dude, you know, yeah, just like, yeah. why did I think that people owed me anything? You know? Right, right, right. <laughs> yep. I, I've, I've talked about this exact same thing on the pod yeah. a billion times. Yeah. Just like, I was such a nice guy. And I was being so nice. <laughs> yeah. Why? What is it that like I don't have that? I don't. Why yeah. don't they give me a chance? And, right. like, maybe because you're an overbearing, you know, <laughs> yeah. self righteous piece of shit. Yeah. So you don't sound that nice. So just like yeah, with that feeling coming up, it just makes me cringe you're like it's not a great look for you know yeah <laughs> dude yeah. to be like so indignant about being uh you know, <laughs> like, I don't know. yeah but whenever but it's not, the song does slap so it's... yeah it does. <laughs> it does whenever a song like this prompts uh andrew Phelan and i to reflect on our adolescence i feel like yeah there's i just <laughs> Just want to tell myself slash singer songwriters doing songs like this to be like just relax for a minute like yeah. chill out like maybe i don't need to be like as possessive and obsessed yeah. with like love as i was at like 16 or whatever maybe i could have chilled right. out for a while um but when he's like you know the general tone here is very like pleading like i don't yeah. want to but if i have to i'll say goodbye yeah. like <laughs> If you love me, baby, and if you want me around, then just tell me. And I'm like, that was me to like every yeah, high school yeah, girlfriend I had. Right, um, exactly. And they were probably like, Jesus, lay off. Like, yeah, it's so um, scolding. It's just like... <laughs> but yeah, if you if you keep treating me this way, baby, you're gonna lose. Yeah, me. I might walk away. I mean, like, like okay, you're just gonna, you're gonna say go. You want? I mean, I'll do it. I guess. I, I'm push, just... push comes to shove. I'm not I'm kidding. To, I'm <laughs> racking my brain to be like, did I put this on any mixtapes for girls? <laughs> oh, that's that's the ultimate sort of move, like yeah. passive aggressive love <laughs> move is like, I'll put this song about pining on the mix yeah. and then she'll respect me. Yeah, yeah. Um, never <laughs> anything happened from that. No, um, yep. I want to call out uh, briefly the section where they're like, come on, baby. Like, what precedes yes. it and where it leads to there is so satisfying. Around like 312, if we could hear oh, some yeah. of that. Yeah, let's do it. That's so good. Oh, yeah. and then this, I think about it all the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that little background vocal comes in, and there's like a tambourine, like at the end. I don't know. I really love the way that it concludes here. Yeah, all those layered vocals. Yep, it's great. So cool. I mean, the line, you know, you're making me want to throw up. (laughs) (laughs) It's pretty funny. (laughs) Pretty funny. All right, Econo. Oh. Wait is a this, second, Andrew. I think you this, put on Be Thou My Vision. Yeah. <laughs> this is 100% Page of the Lions Be Thou My Vision right here. <laughs> I love that we've had the exact same notes yeah. on every song so far. <laughs> it's another, uh, another one that takes its time. Yeah. This is, when, this is like a full minute before anything happens, so I'm just yeah. gonna go ahead a little bit here. Sure. There we go. 
thoughts? <laughs> I find it kind um, of boring. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't know. The crescendo of uh, Econo Lodge, I don't, you know, <laughs> not exactly sure um, what's going on there, but, you know, maybe there's something that I'm, yeah, I don't, some I don't deeper know. Deeper meaning that I'm missing. Uh, Gil, do you have insight into the thematic? You know, I didn't make it this far into okay. like <laughs> analyzing the lyrics and putting them into Google, but <laughs> fair enough. Uh, but yeah, I, I don't, I'm, it starts out like it's going to be a story song, you know, yes. that, it's going to paint a scene, but then there's just the particulars are left out. And so yeah. you don't really know what's going on. So, yes. In this uh, case, I have the exact same notes as you. I said, feels like a short story in that sort of Pedro ish way where yeah. it's like, okay, if it's like a sorted tale at a motel, you know, at an econo right. lodge, that feels pretty Pedro y. I can right. see that. But like, again, he says, uh, you were wanting to kill me at your own dirty game. You were waiting while I saw saying that there's so much more than just an econo lodge. And it's like, well, we don't really get much more than that. And maybe we don't need it, but if it is a sort of short, you know, Flannery O'Connor-esque uh, sordid tale uh, that Pedro might allude to, like we don't, we don't get much of the, the meat of whatever they're referencing, but I don't yeah, know. I mean, maybe the most Christian song, because there's so much more than an economic lodge, there's Jesus. Mm, you know? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, uh, the ultimate well, budget <laughs> motel. Rapture. Salvation. Rapture by Pedro, the song is not. No. Right. Um, yeah, exactly. And that's the yeah. thing. Like that song is like some might some people would probably argue that there's too many details. Yes, in that song. right. Exactly. And this song sure. is absent <laughs> yeah. of it's just alluding to things like, you yeah. know, what you know, the thing, the thing the thing you said, and you know, you know, like it's like there's no specifics. And that's mm -hmm. what I feel like that's yeah. Know, what doesn't do it for me it's like you know yellow umbrella there's something to chew on there right. and then this yeah. song is like you know or did are you you did you guys bone at an econo lodge and, and you feel bad about it and right. you know well we'll say it say, say that you know well but if you're a guy who you know is uh, has his band signed to a christian label just because it's convenient as we've theorized um uh, <laughs> yes yes your speculation uh yeah. you, you're not going to come out and uh you know say like oh yeah we <laughs> when we, we had, at got it on at the you're gonna be oblique so <laughs> right perhaps uh he's arching his back he screams for more <laughs> yeah that kind of um yeah. speaking of which andrew feeling andrew gill and i have our tickets to the uh pedro show at which he will play that song it's time for you to get your ticket and join us at the show am i right yeah i two, mean i do have two tickets. albums <laughs> i do have tickets to um the pedro show here um mm. It's not one that we will be at, though. So yeah, that's weird. Right. <laughs> um, yeah, when is it? It's on when is Saturday. It, is it, this May 27th? 27th? Yeah. yeah. Um, I already feel bad because, Andrew Gill, you wanted seats. And I was like, I want to stand close by the stage. And now I so feel like I'm putting you. Me. Yeah. Yeah. I hope we, I hope we don't I get have right to, right I have to cross train before I go to the show. So. <laughs> <laughs> we'll do some stretches. Yeah. <laughs> It'll be great. Um, yeah, my my May is gonna be a little bit hmm. be a little bit rough. You don't want 
Bazan to meet us together? I guess I'm just saying that's kind of weird. Um, <laughs> All right. You know. Anyway, that's fine. Um, Akano not doing a ton for your boys. Uh, this next song, however, doing some stuff for me. All right. Bedroom suite. Go from that Econo Lodge to, mm, you know, a upgrade. little bit of an upgrade. Yeah. Oh, shit. Is that Steve Hindelong in the drums? Uh, yes. Uh, you can yeah. tell, right? <laughs> Spanish there. Getting yeah. Spanish. Uh this is my number two. Okay. Um I thought we might have the rare shared top three here. I don't know. This one really, really well, well my top three already. I know, but until you got there. <laughs> we got one and three the same. Um, yeah. but this one just I don't know, it just really got some life to it in a way that I really like. Um that opening riff and those toms together feel great. Yeah, Andrew Gills, you mentioned that the Steve playing the drums. I really like the drums on this one. They feel very propulsive. Um, it's a really fun chord progression and yeah, by the time we get to the, that Spanish chorus, it's like, oh, this is, this feels very Pixies too. Like all of a sudden <laughs> speaking some Spanish in a chorus, like, I don't know what he's saying. Um, but something about as long as my mother, so many times it ends with muchas muchachas, like many girls. So I don't know. I think it's. <laughs> If anybody out there knows, let me know. But I think it's sort of a variation on the stuff he's talking about on the verses, which is like, so it's called bedroom suite, but he pronounces it as suit. suit. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm like, I think he's talking about sort of like, you know, a bed and stuff like. Yeah. His childhood bedroom right, furniture. Right. Yeah. yeah. His mom made him get rid of his childhood bedroom stuff and he would wet the bed. And maybe it's like this turning point where his mom got him, you know, to be a man and grow up sort of thing. I think that's the vibe here. Um, but yeah, there's, there's just like a, a punk rock sort of propulsiveness, uh, free, freewheeling energy to it that I really like. Um, yeah. Where do you, do you where do you stand? Yeah, how do, I don't remember how it concludes. Do you remember lyrically how it, does it um, say anything differently near the end or no? I don't think so. The final chorus comes back in. Yeah. This rules though. Yeah. I 
Oh, yeah. Of, yeah, I was always like, I think that means to play the skirt or something. Or okay, interesting. Always when weird. my mom off. I don't know. Anyways. Yeah, something about moms and girls. And moms and skirts and <laughs> skirts. stuff. And, yeah, um, so. No, but I love that the like final, that, that sort of palm muted with the toms back into the final chorus of like um, shouting the chorus, but then they're like, woo, woo. Like behind it, I don't know. I really this one really works for me, um, perhaps more than it does for either of you. <laughs> yeah, no, I yeah. I like it. It's uh, sure. I think you know it's it's another stab at like a big pop, you know. Song. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. And it it yeah it, it works musically for me. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I was like, it just sends me right back to high school Spanish class. You know, I was yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> totally. What uh, was your what was your high school Spanish uh, class name? Oh, Nacho. Yeah, bro. Same. <laughs> yeah, really. Right? Oh, oh, yeah. Nice. Hell yeah. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. Well, yeah, we we had not a... even Andres. We could have both been Andres, but you know. no, no, no. Hell no. <laughs> we. I remember um, getting that there was a list that was uh, available names to choose from. Yes. And I think I remember hearing it from somebody in another class, or knowing that 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 was an option and so i knew going in i'm like i'm snagging this name before anybody else even has an option to take it yeah so that rules it was only like a couple years ago that i learned the actual origins of nachos or they're called that because it was someone named ignacio created the dish yeah yeah fascinating yeah it's not the, the name does not referred to the uh snack sure yeah the other way around amazing i was in french class and went by (laughs) remy because of the band remy zero because i was a cool guy (laughs) (laughs) so not as cool as nacho nice Mm, i can't remember my i can't remember my french name but i do remember in uh i took also in sixth grade i took german you know we had all these short periods of time like you know we maybe one semester it was spanish another one was mm-hmm. german or whatever but i was felix in all right in my, my That's a good class. one nice. good one yep. good one um back to some ap english though yeah it's time for sonnet 61 yeah this is sort of where the album yeah i agree falls off for me i mean we'll get to it Why tune the guitar or anything? Because <laughs> of that aesthetic, baby.
the song has so much potential for me hmm. and it just doesn't doesn't get there here's here's what i'll say i hear you on the like reaching this point of the album and feeling a little fatigue and like i don't disagree but i also do like this one like i think it's i think there's some really catchy cool guitar parts happening here um as that sort of main chord riff is happening there's that like guitar part under it which i think is really cool there's um, a cool little bass thing going on yeah like the my, bass. my issue is that and i know we joke about this all the time but like i i wish it was a little less shitty i <laughs> sure. want it to be i want there to be a better production value i'm not saying to make it glossy i'm not sure. saying we you know get feldy on the, on the track and like have it like nice and polished and glossy and shit but like mm. it just i do think that there are some elements that could make it pop if they were given the right attention and i think and also the the drums i think are very vanilla they're very boring they don't really sure. do much for me. Uh, the yeah. guitar and the bass are are holding this. They're they're just they're carrying the track. Yeah, but and a fair. song and a song about zits, you know, <laughs> and like and how girls turn around and walk away when you try to talk. Uh -huh. to them. You know, yeah. doesn't it make sense that the guitars are out of tune a little bit? <laughs> sure, super cheap yeah. and don't feels very adolescent. You know, yeah. I mean, yeah. This, the more I listen to this album, it's like such a portrait of like the 12 year old youth group boy, you know, it's like, <laughs> like taken as in that sense, it's sort of like a very accurate portrait, but troubling yeah. as well, you know? <laughs> sure. Yes. Yeah. This is another one that's definitely fits in the mold of that, like unrequited dream girl. Like he says, when I walk when I walk up to you, you always turn away and then just like, just give me a chance. It does feel like another sort of, uh, overly <laughs> desperate, uh, nice guy. <laughs> sort of yeah. like, yeah. I mean, like, come the, on. Previous, the previous song, he's talking about how many times he wet the bed and then <laughs> right. he's like, talking about the zits that'll go away soon. Yeah. Yeah. Like, Which, I don't, I don't get it. I'm such a cat. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which the sonnet 61 thing, I assume is a reference to Shakespeare, which when I did enter these lyrics and Google that um, Sonnet 61 is sort of about someone whose devotion to someone like he doesn't really know <laughs> keeps him up at night. So I can see sort of hanging it on that sonnet as a way of writing that kind of love song. I don't know. It feels, it feels adolescent and pining in that way um, that some of the other ones do, but it's not uh Maybe not the best look. <laughs> I, I could see it as a successful creative writing exercise to yeah, translate sure. a Shakespeare right. sonnet yeah, yeah, yeah. into modern day high school, you know, or something. Right, but, right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but as an, as an earnest sentiment, I would like to distance myself from it. Yeah. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, all right. All right. Now, wait. This Ind nice one. Indo Tingo, is this talking about pot or? I didn't know what that bit is. That some kind of strain I don't know about. I don't know. I, isn't it? I just I'm just basing it on Snoop Dogg lyrics. Like Indo, is that a? Is that a oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that could be. That could be. I mean, yeah. you were saying that they like, you know, smoking Indo, just smoking that yeah. Indo. Tango gin and juice. Yeah.
All right. Wait, we got it. We got to stick around for this next part. <laughs> Is the song over? Somebody's Is that a bong rip? It sounds ah, like a bong that rip. Could be it. Yes, that's what it Indo-tango. is. Indo Tango. Must be. Here we go. Comes back in, baby. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> this is exactly the kind of song that they. This is like the the practice song. It's like they're just <laughs> r- riffing on something, and then they they got no lyrics, so they just repeat the one thing, and they're just. It's just the jam song. Uh, it sounds they're, they're, they're pretty ripping, good to me. Ripping that Indo. <laughs> is that what that is? Because like I maybe wrote down is. like yeah. bong rip question mark, but then if they're I talking mean, about Indo, like maybe it just straight yeah. up is. I don't know. I mean, tango means I have. And yeah, hey, Indo well, is a strain of weeds. So. Shout out to Joe Christmas for getting that one under the under the radar there. Yeah, um, right, tooth and nail. But. <laughs> I don't know. I think it rules. I and then okay, so we get that like song ends at fifty seconds, bong rip, then come back in. Then around two minutes, exact same thing. Song drops out, another bong rip or whatever it is. And then the last thirty seconds are like a hardcore song. Andrew, how can you not love that? Let's hear. <laughs> let's hear some of that. Yeah, there we go. That has to be a bong. It has to be. Here we go. Ooh. I don't know. I think it's great. <laughs> My heart is fragile. Uh, I think it's fun. It, it's it reminds me that band Sebado. Did you guys ever listen to them? Oh, they yeah, they yeah. would always have like a random song on an album yeah. that would be like uh, left field punk, you know, just yes. like very simple lyrics, just like very. Yeah. yeah. Sebado is a good pull. I felt this was another Pixies one. Like, those like not quite harmonies are very Frank Blackish to me. <laughs> yeah. Even yeah. like early Nirvana, it feels like Nirvana chords to me, and just like a repeated phrase. Um, yeah, I don't know. The like I'm holding out my heart to you is all he says, and then for the like hardcore part, it's my heart is fragile over and over for that section. I don't know. I think it's really fun. It's obviously like not weighty, but I do think it's like a nice. I don't know that sort of monotony we're talking about. I feel like this breaks it up where it's like a fun little right. punchy aside. I don't know. I like it. Yeah. Um, slick chicken. <laughs> now for something completely different. Yeah. That sounds so shitty. <laughs> sounds just objectively bad. <laughs> so bad. I can't tell if that's supposed to be a bass drum or a tom. Yeah. It could, could just be a bucket. You know, <laughs> it could be a bucket.
probably good. Yeah. <laughs> this song uh, is giving me Pixies vibes. Yeah, mm. for sure. For sure. Yeah. That give that's that sort of style. Yeah. Uh Pixies would not let that continue for seven plus minutes though. <laughs> they would get in and out at like two. Um I don't know. I I'm kind of torn on it because like listen, if I got this when it was an independent EP, I would be like, this is cool. Like they're doing some interesting stuff. But like as a song included on the rest of the album that like sounds different, I'm very, very confused by it. Like maybe if it was the last song or like a hidden track, I would get it. Yeah. But like the fact that it's like the penultimate song, I'm like, I I'm confused by this choice. I don't know. Guilty of uh, insight into this. Yeah, I don't. I mean, I was just theorizing when we were listening to it just now. I'm like, maybe they were trying to reference like the New Zealand lo-fi scene, like the tall dwarves. Mm. Like I was okay. Um, they would yeah. play on you know household, you know random sure. things and make music on anything. You know. Yeah, yeah. Maybe they were trying to show that they had listened to the tall dwarves, but. <laughs> Yeah, I um, mean, maybe... as a sort of like cred giving underground yeah. indie song, I think it's cool, but right. I don't know if I need it here. It's, um, I also noticed like, so there's the Indo Tango and then there's Slick Chicken, so they're getting into consumables, you know, like mm. near the end of the album. <laughs> so, I mean, later on, we didn't hear it, but they do, they repeat the phrase, we need greasy fast speed <laughs> over and over again. Uh, which uh, I guess that you know maybe as a motto from a fried chicken place or something that they were eating. Interesting. I don't know. But well, I saw something that said that this was a reference to Rocky because ah. he's talking about like training and boxing. That scene where Rocky's training and he's chasing the chicken. <laughs> so I think it's like maybe a reference to okay. chasing a fast chicken around. He kind of does like a voice that sort of sounds a little like a Rocky yeah. impression. I don't know. I don't know what's happening. I like all our yeah. theories. Um, <laughs> I think it's fun. I just am baffled by it. It's the one point in the album where I'm like, I truly can't get on board with this. And again, like if it was within a different context, like a yeah. An earlier EP with some more experimentation. I'd be like, "This is cool. They're doing some interesting stuff." But here, I'm just like, "I, I don't know. I can't listen to seven minutes of this. I don't know." Maybe, maybe somebody at one of the labels was like, "You need ten songs." Yeah, that and could they be. They ran out of time. Right. I mean, that's <laughs> fair enough. Famously, um, it's what Goaty Hook did right. on Banana yeah. Man with with just the box. Did a song <laughs> with five times or whatever. Yeah, <laughs> they're just like, "Yeah, we need to fill time." All right, we'll just. Keep doing the box. That's what they should have done is just five different versions of holding out my hand to you. Um, I would have appreciated that. I don't know. I get why they re-recorded some of their other EP songs and why they wouldn't necessarily do that here. Like it feels very sort of surprised. That was kind of the point of the song is like whatever they were feeling in the moment, but I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. It's just sort of like, it's uh, the way it came out on the tape is yeah, got a feeling to what them it is. that they like, I guess. All right. Fair enough. Yeah, I, I won't, uh, I won't fight them on it, but. All right, we're 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 to Blue Rider, culminating track territory. I know you have thoughts on this one, Andrew Gill. So yes. let's get into it. Take a 
I think that's that's my number two i think um you know i, I just okay. think this song uh as far as compared to the other songs in the the record might actually have more of a like intentionality behind the lyrics and like mm. might actually succeed um i just think it, to me i i you know the first verse is about like how i used to get beaten and then you know uh, whoever was beating me met, you know, the Blue Rider, which I, I I think is a satirical stand-in for like the Jesus or like you know getting uh, saved kind of thing. Interesting. Um, a possible read. I don't know if this is their intention, but um, you know the the whole narrative of like I was so terrible and now I'm you know mm. a saint, you know, sinner to saint sure. kind of thing. Um, but then it's like immediately puncture, like that's a serious situation, right? Child abuse, mm -hmm. right? But then the next one is like tardiness as a band, you know? Yeah. You're like, we, we always show up late, but then we met the blue rider and now we're prompt. And I yeah. also just love the line. We're a prompt band. And then they say, we're now a prompt, we're a prompt band, band. <laughs> rocking, rocking to the 11th, the 11th graders. graders. <laughs> it's so good. Like, yes, that, that's interesting. I didn't necessarily think about it with that. Like, serious of an assessment i thought they were like and I, I don't think you're wrong but i do i do like that they sort of still take the piss out a little bit by being like now we're a prompt band now yeah. we're a prom band yeah. <laughs> this is like it's pretty funny I and don't then know. The there's another one about like a, a girl who could never write very legibly and then uh, now her penmanship is great yeah <laughs> yeah it's just like seems like it's trying to be funny and it yeah. succeeds yeah. and um also um the shirt the Joe Christmas t-shirt I ordered from T Tooth and Nail had a a drawing of the Blue Rider on it. So that cool. was uh that was what I wore in high school. But um, what did what did the Blue Rider look like? Uh it's just like a scrawly, like a knight with a lance, you okay. know, like a, okay. on a horse. Um cool. but like a real cartoony looking guy, you know, 
scrawled like he could be on a pavement album cover sure sure (laughs) Um, that sounds pretty cool yeah but uh anyways i just think that song kind of actually tries to do something maybe is trying to do it but it kind of is cohesive lyrically and yeah doesn't make me feel predatory towards women (laughs) (laughs) that is a nice change of pace yes um yeah that's interesting i didn't know what to i wrote out the lyrics too because i was like this is funny and interesting but i couldn't quite make sense of what or who the blue rider was or if it was a reference to something but i like your idea yeah, of like it almost could be a reference that. that i don't know but um yeah, yeah i couldn't find anything about it but i don't know i agree i i like it um it really picks up for me where there's the like like there's a bridge that and then it like builds into the third verse and that's the sort of distortion pedal stomp for the final verse moment um so i think the you know the but yeah that part uh, yeah, this, is nice yeah, this is great. yeah there we go there we go Yeah, it's it a, explodes after that. Yeah. yeah, it's a great way to go out of the album. You know. Yeah, yeah. it feels really fun, especially yeah. after slogging through <laughs> Slick Chicken. <laughs> um, but, you know, uh, if there is going to be a spot for having some weed and having some chicken, I think uh, putting it at the end before <laughs> culminating Blue Rider rescues us all, I think that's a good spot. Yeah, um, right. I don't know. That's, uh, that's upstairs overlooking. Um, I had a lot of fun going through it i really enjoy joe christmas on the whole i look forward to going through their next record um definitely some takeaways yeah um from this record you know it's not it's not a it's not a slam dunk record for me but it definitely has some you know some nuggets that are for me just make it make the album worth it yeah I'm with you. I think I agree overall with that assessment. I again, I just just vibes, just like those vibes. I'm here for the sure. Jack Christmas vibes, which is true for a lot of the bands we've covered this season. Where I'm like, <laughs> hey, listen, I don't necessarily want to throw this on all the time and listen beginning to end, but like to live in that vibe for a while feels really nice. So, um, yeah, 90s it's not, fuzz it's not the, forever. It's not, the, it's not the the fuzzy nightmare that is Morella's forest. <laughs> yeah. Fuzzy, if, beautiful if, dream. If it was on vinyl, I would totally buy it. But oh um, yeah, I don't think it exists on vinyl. So oh man, streets are talking. Let's we get know, a let's get a movement guy. going. Yeah, um, we do. When I heard, yeah, maybe we'll talk about that next week. Um, Shadow producer Jason probably has some insight onto that. But when I heard um, uh, Russell Holbrook uh, talking, he was saying, you know, they have thought about reuniting. Like they have a oh, they have basically a half a third album written oh, that they like. Wow didn't do basically because they were young and they were just like, eh, it's not really worth it anymore. I guess half of them were in Athens and half were in Atlanta. And they were like, well, let's just call it. And he's like, I wish we would have stuck with it. Cause like there was some interesting stuff. And he's like, we still think about it and talk about it from time to time. So I don't know. Mm. I'm saying it's time for Jeff Christmas reunion. Yeah. Let's do it. Let's get some vinyl releases. Um, but it was super fun going through this with you, Andrew. Thank you for bringing some into insight to us for a band we didn't know much about. It was really great. Yeah, thanks for uh, welcoming me in and living through my high school flashbacks. <laughs> I hope uh, I hope we didn't open up too many wounds for too many no, people out there. Um, <laughs> hope you yeah, can dig up great. that Blue Rider t-shirt somewhere. Yeah, man. I know. I don't know where it great. is. I wish if I anybody has one, yeah. you know, send it. Andrew goes away. Uh, yeah, yeah. Take some pictures. Um, but yeah, this was great, man. I hope you come back sometime. But uh, in the meantime, things to to plug 
Yeah, I guess, um, you know, you can watch out for the CCM podcast, I guess, follow Leah, <laughs> Dr. Leah Payne, my co-host, yes. uh, we'll have all the updates, but you can follow me on Twitter, uh, at, at Andrew Gill. Um, and yeah, if you've got good stories about growing up CCM, cool. we want to hear them. So, uh, you, I, I'll, we're setting up like a voicemail line, so I'll tweet okay. that stuff out and Perfect. Uh, find it there. Dope. Yeah, we'll yeah. we'll share that to you on our socials. And nice. uh, hey, why not uh, sign up for the Sound Opinions Patreon while you're at it? Oh yeah, um, that's nice. There you yeah. go. Do that. Yeah. Uh, I assume Patreon.com/slash Sound Opinions. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Something like that. <laughs> Something like uh, that just yeah. search for it. You'll find it. Uh, <laughs> great show. Been going for a long time. Andrew's a big part of why they continued uh, post BEZ era and have continued so strongly. So please check out that pod if you haven't yet. Um, yeah, Andrew, thanks so much for coming by, man. Thank yeah, you. of course. Thanks for having me. Yeah, long time listener, first time. Hey, uh, love it. Not the last <laughs> time, though. <laughs> well, thank you again to Andrew Gill for that great conversation. Had a lot of fun talking. Joe Xmas, as the kids call him. I don't know. Nobody calls him that. It's um, our boy Joey X over here. <laughs> Joey X. A Yuletide, baby. Hey, I don't a know. Yuletide bro over here. He's, uh, <laughs> he's bringing that fuzzy, the fuzziness down the chimney away. That's right. Um, the Blue Rider is coming to take us away for now, though. Um, but that was a great conversation with Andrew. Thanks again to him for coming on the show. Uh, let us know about your relationship to Joe Christmas. Were they seminal to you as well? Are you sort of recently diving in uh, as we are? I know Couple Skate, an important song for a lot of people, and it is uh, mm -hmm. for me now too. But uh, let us know over at Magnified Pod on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Follow and subscribe to the pod if you haven't already. Give us a rating or a review, and we'll read that review on the show. Email us at magnifiedpod at gmail.com. You can leave us a voicemail at 872-762-4763-8727-MAGPOD. Support us at the Patreon over at patreon.com slash magnified pod and pick up some season four merch at magnifiedpod.storeenvy.com. Thanks to Small Step Records for sponsoring us. Go to smallsteprecords.com to learn more. And thanks to Shadow Producer Jason and Bruno at Unoriginal Vinyl for our artwork. Well, I think I hear the voice of the spirit begging us to shut the fuck up. We'll be back to try to make you go astray in two weeks when we'll discuss Joe Christmas's North to the Future. Yeah. Wish I had a bong I could just rip right now like these guys. I wanna I wanna tango some Indo right now. <laughs> I yeah, I I don't I don't know. It's is I don't understand what slick chicken is either. It's <laughs> Is this you got, hey, you got any of that slick chicken? Hey, bro, oh, yeah, shit, yeah. man. It's in the van. Come over here. Yeah. yeah. It's like, like opened up my jacket. It's got, it got some Indo tango over here. <laughs> got, got some, some slick, slick chicken. chicken over here. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> oh, shit. Want to smoke some of that Blue Rider, bro? <laughs> Blue Rider definitely does sound like. Yeah, these are all strains for <laughs> these sure. Are all strains. If you want something a little more sativa, you got the uh, slick chicken. I don't know. I don't know. Sonnet um, sixty-one. That'll really mellow you out. <laughs> yeah, exactly. 
Oh man, I love I love the idea that all these guys' songs are just <laughs> low key weed references, which I wouldn't put it past them. Good no, for you, for Joe sure. Christmas. Well done. For more shows like this one, visit rockcandyrecordings.com.